short tonight if the Lord had be my helper. I told Brother Eddie he preached Wednesday night. I said, Brother, you plowed up my field and you plowed up the message I was going to preach tonight. I said, I've got to go dig something else up to try to preach, but the Lord wouldn't give me anything else. And uh, I've learned to not force anything if it's not burning, but to go with what God's laid on my heart. So Luke chapter number 7, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meeting the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And if you will, skip down to me to verse number 44. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto her, and say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, to whom much little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. I just want to talk to you for a few moments. Very few moments of time tonight. Just on the thought of true worship. True Worship. There's a lot of faults out there. But I ain't going to fo fo focus and magnify the faults. I want to deal with the truth tonight. And I don't think that you'll find many different places in Scripture, in commentary, anywhere else, of more true worship than what you'll find right here. And I pray that when we open up these altars tonight, we replicate it. And we give God our true worship. Father, we love you tonight. May you add your blessings to the reading of the word. Anoint us, O oh God, even now. Do the work that only you can do. We'll be careful to give you praise in Jesus' name. And the church says amen. And amen. True worship. A lot of, a lot of people may ask the question, what is worship? And we have different things that in this society we want to qualify as worship. Some think that you can only worship when the band's hopping and the lights are flashing. But I can tell you one of the truest scents and one of the truest times of worship I've ever been in in my life was a time when it was just me and God going down the road. There was no band playing. There wasn't even anything on the radio. There wasn't any preaching on going on in the, the vehicle, any CD player, but it was just me talking to God and the presence of God as I was loving on him filled the cab of that truck so strongly that I just had to veer off the side of the road and just sat there and part for a while basking in the presence of the Lord tears streaming down my face 
Amen. As I was worshiping him, as he was, uh, I was loving on him. He was loving on me. And you could just feel the presence of the Lord so strong. I, I had a meeting that I was going to actually with a, a radio, the, the owner of the radio station offering me a job. Wanted me to, to come work for him and, and do some, uh, some radio segments and some radio work for him. I showed up and I'm, I'm always early. When it comes to things like that, I always want to be early and punctual. I showed up about 20 minutes late, my eyes all red. He probably thought that I was drunk. <laughs> just, I wouldn't have denied it. I just wasn't drunk in the same standards that he would have thought. Amen. Amen. But just feasting on the presence of the Lord. Amen. I, I said all that to say this. You don't have to have the modern bunny hop band to get you and to prime your pump for worship. You don't have to have strobe lights and a fog machine to, 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 to try to pump you into worship. You don't have to have the, the latest and the greatest fads on the stage, the, the, the skinny jeans and the tank tops and the converses leading you, trying to tell you what worship is and what worship's not. Amen. And if that's what you have to have for worship, then what you offer God is not worship. Because you see, this woman here, when in this story, she had absolutely none of that. She didn't have anything or anybody to prime her pump. But when she found herself in the presence of Jesus, I mean, you see some things that, that transpired and you see some things that occurred that I want to point out what true worship is. We can see by this woman's example when you worship God in spirit and in truth, and the Bible says that God is still seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what John chapter number 4 says. And this woman portrays what true worship is. If we want to be a true worshiper, number one, worship is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. This woman in our text, as she finds Jesus in Simon's house, she gets to where Jesus is, and she didn't come empty-handed. Because you see, it, it was customary when you would enter in, in, in biblical days, when you would enter in the presence of the king, you would never come empty-handed. But you would always come bearing gifts to give and to present unto them. Why do you think the three wise men, when they came to Jesus, they were laden with gold, with frankincense, and myrrh? They realized that they were going to be in the presence of the king and they did not want to enter into his presence empty handed listen when we enter into the presence of God we should never enter in that service empty handed we should never enter into that service without praise and worship on our lips without amen a song on our heart without adoration unto him no we don't have to give money in the offering to worship him although that is one form amen of worship when we worship him with ties and an offering amen but you don't you don't have to present gifts in that fashion but when you do approach the throne room of God you should always come with the gift of worship amen there should be worship flowing from your lips because there's worship and gratitude down in your heart and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks if there's no worship flowing from your lips then I question the condition of your heart amen 
For when that heart is right with God, there will be worship and praise flowing from those lips. This woman, Simon, when he had Jesus coming to his house, she can preach. I mean, a lot of things that Simon did and did not do in the story. We've done this in the past. But there was no gift for him. There was no ointment. There was no kiss. There was no right hand of fellowship. He just invited Jesus in. But this woman, when she found herself in the presence and the opportunity to come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, she come bearing a gift. And she didn't go by the Dollar Tree to find something on the discounted rack at 90% something cheap to offer the Lord. And I'm not against Dollar Tree and I'm not against the discount rack at Dollar Tree. Make no misunderstanding there. But she didn't just bring Jesus something cheap. When she brought him her gift, she brought him her best. Listen, when we find ourselves in the presence of the Lord, we should not only, or not just bring Jesus a gift of worship, but it should be our best worship. It should be our highest worship. It should be the best praise. As a matter of fact, when we come to worship the Lord, we should come with hallelujah on our lips. That word hallelujah in the Hebrew, it means 10,000 praises under God. Or better, that's known as infinite praises under God because He's infinitely higher than us. And so when we run out of words to say and we can think of, you can let hallelujahs flow from your lips, which is the highest form of praise. Amen, which is the highest praise that you can give God is your hallelujah. This woman, she brought her best. She brought an alabaster box of ointment. And commentaries tell us that that oil very likely could have cost $20,000 to $100,000 in today's currency. It was imported from the Far East in China and it was very very expensive. Only the elite had this ointment. Only the elite would have this particular gift. But when she found herself in the presence of God, amen, when she saw her holiness versus his holiness, when she saw how low she was and how high he was, she said, I don't deserve this. This, amen, this praise, this worship belongs only on Jesus. Oh, I can tell you folks, our worship when we come into the service, we shouldn't come empty handed. We should come with the best. But when we give worship, it's reserved only unto Him. Amen. He is the only one that is worthy of our worship. Listen, I can praise you for a job that you do well. I you can do something good, and I, I believe you ought to tell people when they do something good. You ought to praise them for a job well done. But worship is something altogether different. I can give you praise all day long, but worship is reserved unto Him. Oh, as we bow in His presence. Amen. As we give Him the worship that He deserves. Amen. When we worship and we give God true worship. Amen. God demands our best. And that worship is going to cost you something. Worship is free, but worship is never cheap. 
Amen. It costs you nothing to worship God in one vein. But on the other vein, it's going to cost you everything to give God true worship and to give Him true praise. Oh, Brother Eddie preached. Amen. Wednesday night, and my goodness, did he preach. He talked about Abraham and his sacrifice. How, amen, it cost him his all as he was walking that road. Amen. To, to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice unto the Lord. He knew, amen, what this was going to cost him, but that did not deter him from his worship. When he gave God his all, God gave him, amen, God gave him his all. Amen, he, as Abraham gave God and gave unto him his best worship and his best praise, God accepted that as worship and God provided a lamb. He began to talk about Ananias and Sapphira, how, amen, that they too said that we're going to worship the Lord, but they did it half-heartedly. They gave half of the money to the church, kept half for themselves and said, we have given all, but God rejected that worship, amen, and you read about the judgment that fell. Abraham's worship was accepted, and God was pleased, and God provided a ram for a sacrifice. Ananias and Sapphira's worship was rejected, and God pronounced judgment because they were worshiping half-heartedly. They were worshiping with a divided heart. Are we going to be an Abraham that worships in spirit and in truth? Are we going to be an Ananias and Sapphira, amen, that worships half-heartedly, amen, that worships God with one side of their mouth and is full with greed and filthy lucre on the other side. Amen. The choice is ours, but there's only one form of worship that God will honor. There's only one form of worship that God will accept, and that is worship that is performed in spirit and in truth. Many try to give God less than their best. Malachi 1, verse 6, or verse 7, says, You have offered polluted bread upon mine altar, and say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And then you say, The Lord is contemptible. You've offered the blind for sacrifice. He went on to talk about their offerings that they were offered. He said, The fruits of that table are polluted. He said, What a weariness is it. You have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts, and brought in that which was torn and lame and sick. And thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord. You see, they were given a commandment that when they were to offer sacrifices under that Levitical law, that if there was any handicap, if there, were any, if there was any blemish in that sacrifice, that sacrifice was to be discarded. Because God deserves the best. The sacrifice should be whole. Amen. He, he, he doesn't want a, a blind sacrifice, a, a, a halt or a lame sacrifice on the altar. He, he demanded the best. But in Malachi, they were keeping the best for themselves. And they were offering a sacrifice of no value. And so they looked like they were doing good. But they were offering God what he called a polluted sacrifice. A polluted sacrifice. 
How many are doing the exact same thing today? We'll give our all to everything else in the world. But when it comes to worshiping God, it's a half-hearted effort. We can run six days a week for our job, for our kids, for our grandkids. But on Sunday, the Lord's Day, we drag in, we drag through, and we drag home. How does God view our sacrifice? How does God view our worship? Are we giving God our best? Our worship should cost us something and we present unto God. We should present our best. You can say, I, don't, I didn't want to get in the worship because I didn't like the song. They didn't sing my favorite song this Sunday morning. Well, let's give you the microphone and let you lead worship. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about here, but there's so many lame, brain excuses people will give of why they don't worship. Thank God that I go to a church that's not afraid to worship. But you'll be amazed at some of the excuses that you hear. Amen. Of why people can't worship. If that's the case, and people don't sing your favorite songs that you choose not to worship, are you worshiping the song or are you worshiping the Savior? If they don't sing your particular genre of song, I like the Red Book, they're singing courses. Or I like the courses and they're singing the Red Book. Amen. So I can't get into worship with that. Are you worshiping a song or are you worshiping Jesus? Amen. Amen. It matters not, folks. Amen. It, it, what, uh, whether it fits your fancy or not, I come to worship the Lord. Amen, I come to praise him. This woman, amen, she didn't ask, amen, what anybody preferred. She just loved on Jesus. She just loved the Lord. She just came in the house ready to worship God. What would happen if we as a body of believers would come in with the same purpose? It don't matter what song is sung. It don't matter what message is preached. It don't matter what sister so-and-so testifies. I'm here not for them, but I am here for him. And I I've come to worship the Lord. I've come to magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. That mentality is true worship. Worship should cost you something. Secondly, worship should consume you. Not only should it cost you, but worship should consume you. This woman said in verse 38, she stood at his feet behind him weeping, began to wash his feet with tears and to wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. She poured that ointment out upon Jesus as the oil flowed out of the bottle. Tears flowed out of her eyes. For this woman, her worship of the Lord consumed her. She didn't care how the mayor's election was going. She didn't care about the Roman occupation of that moment in time. She didn't care about who was running for governor and what the Sanhedrin was doing. She was consumed, not by extracurricular things, 
but she was consumed by the main thing. She was consumed in her worship of this man called Christ. Amen. In its proper context, only a couple of drops of oil should have been used at a time. This was very uh, potent oil. And just one or two drops would fill the atmosphere. And it would change the, uh, change the aroma in the room. If you were to use sparingly, commentary say this oil could last you a lifetime. And this oftentimes is how we do worship. Just one little drop at the time. Just one little drop, we'll come in on Sunday morning and we'll, we'll worship, but we'll put the cap back on real tight. We'll come in on Wednesday night and we'll, we'll drop a, a little drop or two and put the cap back on. And, and we, we keep everything bottled up. And folks, that's not what true worship is. You see, this woman, she knew what the value that she held in her hands. She knew the value of this oil. But when it came time to worship the Lord... She break the bottle. Oh, hallelujah. She break the bottle. She gave Jesus not only something that was costly, but she gave Jesus her all. Everything that she had was presented to Christ. The Bible says that she break the box. She held nothing back. She planned to take none home with her. She came with an intention. And that was to pour out her worship uncontrollably on Christ. The same way that tears ran uncontrollably from her eyes onto her feet. The oil ran uncontrollably on Christ. This woman, as she began to get consumed with worship... Oh, as the tears were flowing in her eyes, amen, she was broken. The presence of God that her worship produced brought about brokenness. And I can tell you, folks, brokenness, amen, is worship in its purest form when we're consumed and when we're broken, when we can't control the tears, when we can't control the sobs, but we're so caught up in our worship of the Lord. And we're not only just caught up in worship, but we're caught up and we're consumed with the one we are worshiping. Oh, and we're consumed by his presence. Amen. Folks, that is worship. How long has it been since we've been broken? How long has it been since hot tears have drained down your eyes, down to your cheeks, and onto the floor when you've just been consumed in a spirit of worship? Amen. It would do us good. Amen. If we'd find ourselves back in that atmosphere tonight with the brokenness before God when we're consumed with amen a heart of worship a heart of worship this is how worship is supposed to be these oils represented a life's wages and as she poured out this oil it represented her life being poured out on Christ. This is the place where many people fail and go astray. Where we want to give God worship, but we want to, we don't want to give God everything. We don't want to give God our all. We don't want to give God our surrender. God can have my Sundays. God can have my Wednesday night, but 
I've still got my career goals. I've still got my vision. I've still got my, my livelihood of what I want to be and what I want to do. Listen, God is going to be Lord of all or he's not going to be Lord at all. You can't worship with a divided heart any more than you can live with a divided heart. If you were to try to tear your heart into two places, two into two different pieces, you're going to rupture out and you'll be dead in seconds. You try to worship God with a divided heart, it'll produce the same effect. It'll it will present death in that body. This woman, as she's worshiping God, as she begins to, she's consumed with worship. She break the box of oil. And that was a testimony of saying, Lord, you have all of me. She gave God her best. She gave God her all. In some instances, these oils were used as a wedding dowry that a bridegroom would give to his bride in preparation of their wedding day. She would adorn herself with that oil the marriage feast and the marriage ceremony. You see, as she poured out that oil, a wedding ceremony was taking place. Not in the physical, but in the spiritual. As she was consumed in her worship, as she was loving on Jesus, salvation took place she entered in to the bride of Christ she became a part of the bride instead of adorning that oil on a physical wedding day she was possibly a spouse to another man to be a husband she poured that oil out on Christ amen and a greater Wedding ceremony took place. She became a part of the bride. What a beautiful symbolism this is. This woman, true worship, it cost her. It consumed her. But number three, I want us to look, and I'm going to go through this quickly. It changed her. Now see, here's one thing that I want us to get. When we worship, worship is not about us. I know there's some hot shot televangelists out there. I've listened to the messages. <laughs> One lady had the audacity to say that when we worship God, we're really not worshiping Him. He wants us to feel good about ourselves. So when we worship, we're really just lifting ourselves up. And people latch on to that like crazy. Worship is not about me. Worship is not about lifting myself up. If anything, it's about humbling myself down in the presence of God. We turn this thing into some humanistic doctrine of devils. People don't anymore know what worship is. If you think it has anything to do with you, about how you feel. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with what I feel. It has everything to do 
with Christ's exaltation. With him being lifted up. With him being magnified. So when we come to Christ and we worship him. Amen. We don't worship to get. I know what I'm going to say. May, may sound contradictory. It's not. But my intent of worshiping the Lord is not to say. Oh Lord I'm going to come down to the altar to worship you. So I can get this in return. That would be just like my kid. Harper, she was two years old. She come to me one day. I got home from work. And it was just me and her at the house. And she came up to me. She said, Dad, can I have a chocolate popsicle? She's two. And I said, no, baby. You don't need a chocolate popsicle right now. You're not eating supper. She crawled up in my lap. And she said, Dad, you are a tall, handsome man. Now, how does a two-year-old know what tall and handsome was? I said, oh, thank you, baby. I appreciate that. She said, can I have my popsicle now? If I'm lying, I'm dying. Two years old. That's comical. How many times is our worship the same exact thing? God, I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. But I really need that promotion on the job. Lord, and we'll get down to where the rubber meets the road. God, I, I worship you, but I really need healing in my body. God, I, I love you, Lord. I, I'm here to worship you. I'm here to magnify you. But here's my laundry list of things. That's not worship. The same way. We don't give to get in the natural. We shouldn't give to get in our worship. Because worship in its truest form is, Lord, whether you do anything else for me or not, you're worthy to be exalted. You're worthy to be praised. God, you've saved me from a horrible pit of sin. If you don't do anything else for me, I've got enough to praise you and thank you. For throughout all of eternity, you have been good unto me. Amen. That, that is worship. Now, every time we pray, I believe that we should start off with praise. And we should start off with worship. Amen. But we should know that he's still God, whether or not he does any of the other laundry list of items that we need him to do. He's still worthy of our worship. And he's still worthy to be praised. I just heard a man say this week, uh, it might have even been today, he was he had posted on social media, somebody had posted a, a picture of an empty pew. And he said, I sure miss having my family in church with me. And he said, I used to enjoy worshiping the Lord, but I've been praying for 30 years for something, and I have not seen the answer. And he said, when God does that for me, I'll come back and I'll worship worship him. Folks, that ain't worship. Amen. That is not worship. True worship is, God, whether you do it or not, I'm going to enter into your gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'm going to enter into your courts with praise to give you the love and the adoration and the affection that you so rightly deserve. Amen. If our worship is conditional upon God doing something for us, it is not worship. Not worship. 
But I said all that, and this may seem contradictory, and I don't mean it to be. But God is a debtor to no man. God is a debtor to no man. When we find ourselves in his presence, his presence always produces a change. This woman, as she poured out that oil, instantly the aroma of the room shifted. Immediately, the atmosphere totally changed. That smell began to permeate. That smell physically as the aroma filled the house. There was a physical change of atmosphere that took place. But secondly, there was a spiritual change of atmosphere that took place. You see, before this, the house was filled with self-exaltation by Simon. But this woman changed the atmosphere by her exaltation of Christ. Amen. As she was there, physically, there was a shift. And spiritually, there was a shift that took place. How many of you know that your worship can change the atmosphere? If you don't believe it, just try it sometimes. If you don't think that your worship can make a difference, just try. Amen. Just try. Amen. You'll find that you can be having the most rotten day of the week. But if you change your perspective, amen, and you begin to feel the atmosphere of worship, amen, then your, your outlook can change. Amen. The environment in which you find yourself can change. Amen. Worship can bring about a change in the atmosphere that you face the same way that the worship from the old changed this woman's atmosphere. It went from a putrid odor of self-righteousness of Simon to a beautiful display of the aroma, amen, of the Lord, Jesus Christ and his saving power. Listen, when we find ourselves in a spirit of worship, it can and will change your atmosphere. Not only will it change your atmosphere, it will change your perspective. For you see, there were many things that this woman could have focused on. She could have focused on the judgment of Simon. That would have been enough to drive her away. She could have focused on the pain of her past, which would have driven her to hell. But instead, she focused her worship of Christ. And that led her straight to his feet. My God. You see, you have a choice in how you live your life. You can choose to focus on the perception of others and what they think of you. If she would have focused on Simon's perception of her, she never would have entered in the door. She could have focused on what had been done to her in the past. If that was the case, she never would have dampened the door. But she had total vision on Christ. She shut out everything else. She shut out everybody else in that moment in time. Nothing else mattered. 
Nobody else mattered. She didn't care about what other people thought about her. She didn't care what she looked like. She didn't care what they were saying about her. She was there to worship the Lord. What a great example for us. Oftentimes we're concerned. What so and so going to think about? How I worship? What so and so going to say about me? They know where I've been. They know what I've done. Who cares? They didn't save you. Hey man, you're there. Focusing your worshiping on the one who did save you. Amen. And he's worthy to be exalted and to be praised. When you begin to worship, you change your perspective off of the earthly and you get it upon the heavenly. You change your perspective of what's wrong down here and you focus your eyes upon the one that's right up there. Amen. Worship will bring about a change in perspective. It will bring about a change in your vision. You're not there focusing on everything that's wrong. But you're there focusing on the one who is right. Your worship makes a difference. It not only makes a difference for him, it makes a difference for you. For this simple fact, as she poured the oil out on Jesus, Kirsten, if you'll come help me, I'm finishing. Don't think for two seconds that some of that oil didn't splash back on her. You see, when she left the house that day, she left smelling just like Jesus. When she left his presence, the presence left with her. Why is it preaching that I need to worship the Lord? You need his presence. He inhabits the worship and the praise of his people. And his presence always produces a change. And Isaiah chapter number 6 when Isaiah was in the temple worshiping, magnifying the Lord, praying, giving him the exaltation to his name. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. High and lifted up, seated upon his throne, his train filled the temple. Above him flew the seraphims, each having six wings. With twain they covered their face, with twain they covered their feet, with twain they did fly and they cried to another day and night saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty the whole earth is full of his glory what happened? he found himself the presence of he his worship ushered him into the presence of God and notice when he saw the presence of God and how high and holy he was and how poor and lowly Isaiah was he said woe is me for I am undone for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. You see, his presence always magnifies the need of just how much we really need him. But when we're in his presence, he will never leave us like he finds us. With Isaiah, when he said, Lord, woe is me, when he repented, when he cried out, 
a merciful God. Obviously, one of those angels flew over, took a coal, a blazing coal off of that altar, put it to his lips, told him, he said, thy sins are forgiven, sins are purged. He said, who? Who's going to go? Who shall I send and go be my messenger? Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Another beautiful portrait of worship and the change that worship produces. Again, we don't give to get. But our pastor said so many times, God will be a debtor to no man. What you give unto him, he will give unto you multiplied times over and abundant what you could ever think. It may not be the exact way that you think the blessings of God are from God. I really could extra use an extra $1,500 this month. Send a blessing my way. That may not be how God chooses to operate. But he can bless you abundantly with the joy of his salvation. He can bless you abundantly. Amen. With a double portion of the sweet Holy Ghost. Amen. And he's far more valuable than 1500 bucks in your pocket this month. Amen. I'm dealing with you tonight about worship. This is going to cost you. It's going to consume you. But the effects of that worship is going to change you. That oil that flowed down Christ was the same oil that splattered up on her. Amen. And she left with the presence, the aroma of the same aroma that was on Christ. Everybody knew was also in her. That's what worship can produce in us. Amen. It is my prayer and it's my desire that tonight I tried to preach short I did. But for just a few moments we could come down to this altar. You don't have to bury your hands in your face, your face in your hands. But you can lift up your hands, your heart, your voice, and you can just worship and love on him. You can say, preacher, you don't understand my life. My life's not perfect. Neither was this woman. She had a rap sheet a mile long. Enough to make a sailor want to blush. But when she found herself in the presence of the Lord, Jesus produced a change. And he told her, he said, woman, he said, go thy way. Thy faith has saved thee. Thy faith has saved thee. When you begin to worship the Savior, he can produce the saving. As you begin to worship the healer, amen, it's then that he can provide the healing. And I'm not telling you to give to give, give to give tonight. Amen. But whatever you need in your life, amen, the need for his presence far supersedes that. And when you find yourself in his presence, there's fullness of whatever you need. Amen. I wonder if we could 100% of this altar here. Here you're lost. Amen. This may not particularly be a salvation message. Amen. But today is a day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time of the, of the Lord. 